Bullshit. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm your host, Dave Mastovich. Our guest today is Steve Tanzilli, the founder and the head of the Sports Arts and Entertainment Program at Point Park University. He's also run a sports talent agency called Sports Legends Group, a full-service marketing finance and law firm for professional athletes and celebrities. He's had some Steelers, no Patriots. Uh, he's worked with uh, other high-profile clients as well, not Tom Brady. Uh, his his background also includes 12 years of experience with one-for-one uh, worldwide, one worldwide sports entertainment. He worked with Coca-Cola, 84 Lumber, ESPN, Kraft Foods, uh, not Gillette, and not the Patriots. In addition, Tenzilli's worked with the Pittsburgh Pirates, Johnstown Still Baseball Club, International Sports Marketing, and Communicator Sports Marketing. Steve uh, and I were joking before the show and a little bit on air. We've been talking about the New England Patriots. He grew up in Boston, and uh, for most of his life, that meant Loserville. But then the last 10 years, it truly has been the city of champions, which we used to be here in Pittsburgh. So, Steve, we've talked about a bunch of stuff, but I want to go back to Point Park University. And so you can talk about what's really happening there because I believe it's transforming the downtown of Pittsburgh, but it's impacting this entire region. And the reason I want to go back to is when it comes to messaging at mass solutions, we talk about how you have to understand the two whys. And when I read the book, uh, Simon Sinek book, ask why I thought it got it there for us as entrepreneurs and founders, like you are with asking your why your reason for being. But I think from a marketing standpoint, there has to be a second why your customer's reason for buying. And if you can answer those two whys and then crystallize it into one big idea, one memorable message or theme that makes an emotional impact on your target audiences, that's what gets the story told. So for Point Park, what's your big idea? Uh, to be innovative. Uh, for us to be competitive, we need to be innovative. And to be innovative, uh, you need to be not only listening to your current students, which I think a lot of institutions fail to do, uh, but more importantly, you need to be listening to uh, industry and understanding where are things changing. And uh, you know, particularly in the social media space, things change by the minute. And to make sure that we are continuing to uh, provide a meaningful education that provides the necessary skill sets for our students to succeed. So that class I spoke to today, yeah. okay, Steve had me at, at uh, speak to one of his classes, they're graduating seniors. Uh, I was very impressed. Uh, good questions. Uh, a couple of the students came up afterwards and talked about what they were doing already. How do you innovate with a class like that on social media? What's an example of where you help them get an edge over someone from another university? Uh, bringing in uh, people that are working in the industry every day and, and tapping into the terrific talent and expertise that the city of Pittsburgh has and getting them in front of industry professionals so that they can ask questions that really only an industry professional could be able to answer. Uh, and, you know, when we look at social media, uh, trying to get them outside their comfort level. So what are the trade magazines should they be looking at? What sites should they be going to? What conferences should they be going to? And I always encourage our students to use the leverage they have as a student to make those connections. And now, you know, we talk about the Internet. You know, I tell students uh, as early as freshman year, you know, Google somebody in a position you aspire to be and send them a note. Go meet with them. Right, go meet with them and, and ask them. Hey, what what are some things that I should be doing? Give me some guidance and direction so that I can succeed. 
So, you know, really what I try to do is um, continue to listen to the marketplace, listen to students, and bring in people uh, every semester, every year that are in touch with what's going on uh, in the business. Two things that tie to your big idea yeah. of innovation for Point Park that impressed me when we first talked. Go down that path about what you just said, because you said in one of the classes you actually require that they pick that person meet them and spend time with them. Talk about that. I found that to be innovative yeah. because I thought, man, imagine if I had did that at 21. Well, they, they, they do been. it at 18. Uh, first Even assignment, better. freshman year, uh, our 101 class is they have to shadow somebody in the business uh, and then they come back at the end of the semester and they present to the class about who they shadowed. And I want them to discuss with the class, you know, who is it they shouted? What's their educational background? What did they observe? What did they like about the job? What did they not like about the job? And did this in any way change what they thought they might want to do? And it opens their eyes as to how broad our business is. It opens their eyes to the reality of what people do. And I know on the athletic department side, I, I always have students will come back and say, well, I wanted to really be an athletic director. But I didn't realize that there's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of phone calls. I thought it was more just watching games. And same with folks that want to get into entertainment. I thought I was going to get to watch the band or listen to the band. I put in an 18-hour day, right? And I don't even think I heard the band, right? I was in the back office doing tickets or I was reconciling the show or doing merch. Uh, and those are lessons that you can only learn once you've done it. So that's the freshman class. And then, you know, we have a requirement that you cannot graduate our program unless you've done an internship. Because the only way you get hired in our business is with experience. And, you know, us as small business owners, we're far too busy to train students. We're far too busy to babysit them. And, you know, I'm sure you're the same way. When you look to hire somebody, you're looking to hire them based on how can you help grow my business? Mm -hmm. Who do you know that I don't know? How can you help me? And the only way you're going to be able to help me is if you've been out there exposed to the industry. I love that shadowing program. And I, I want to go down that and ask him follow up to this. But the point that I would make about that chattering program is I guess I kind of did that because I worked in sports mm -hmm. while playing sports, announcing and writing. And my brother and I both did it. And I decided not to go down that path for exactly what you described. I enjoy sports so much. I remember my brother called me from Soldier Field when he was covering, I think it was Walter Payton's last year. And that's right when he started working. And he had worked for a few months and he wasn't even excited because he lost that because to him it became work. And like, if you're going to go and work with a band, you're not going to see that band. So that's great exposure. So someone can figure out like, wait, I love this too much to do it. I always say that um, I don't look to hire a fan, you know, but we need, uh, you need passion, but I don't hire fans. Uh, but because of the hours and how competitive the business is, you do need that passion so that there is that uh, you know ability to enjoy and embrace what you're doing so the shadowing though let's go into a little bit more intricate so if i take that if let's say um one of my sons let's say yeah. alec joins your program and mm -hmm. he takes that shadowing is he shadow that person an hour a week two hours a week uh, 10 times a semester yeah, we, we look for 20 hours over the course of a semester uh and the, and the key learning for students is that when he presents that to the class you see those you know, light bulbs go off with other students to say, oh my gosh, I didn't know that you could do that. I didn't know that was an opportunity. Uh, and then it's, the onus is on the student to really go and get, get that connection. I mean, we'll give them some leads and some contact, but they are the ones that have to reach out to that 
person. We're not calling and saying, hey, Dave, I have a student. I need a shadow. They may say, hey, I want to get involved in marketing. Okay, well, I got a guy that may have an interest. Here's his contact. They have to reach out to you. So they learn skills about being professionally persistent. Uh, They learn how to properly draft an email. They learn how to follow up. And so, you know, that's a great lesson when we have them present is the first question I ask them is, how long did it take for you to, to to, to get the contact? And they realize, well, he never called me back. Well, how many times did you try to call? Well, I left one message. Doesn't work that way. And so we explained to them that, you know, unfortunately, guys, you're not the most important thing in that in that employer's world. And so you have to be professionally persistent. So I asked them, did you leave a voicemail? Did you send an email? Did you write a letter? Did you stop by? What steps did you take? And then we'll talk about that. And then, you know what, but sometimes the other lesson, and I'll say this, is sometimes it doesn't work out. And it's no fault of the student. And that's always happens. Now, I mean, it happens, you know, once or so per class with a student. And that's a great lesson for the students to learn that things happen. People are busy, right? They may have signed a new client or God forbid, maybe they lost a client. And being able to talk to the class about, wow, you know, you, you, these things do happen. It's life. It's business. So it's a lot of not just skills about the industry, but, but life skills. Speaking of life skills, you were talking today when we were walking back from your class here to the studio of how in the senior year you actually have a mm-hmm. class that ta- teaches them about things that are going to encounter outside of work, yep. how to live. Talk about that. Yeah, no, it's it's a class that I created a few years ago, and it's a, call, it's a senior seminar class. And, and what I tell them uh, first day of class <laughs> is uh, this is about reality. And uh, I hate to say it, but it's true. I said, you guys sitting here, in your lifetime, you are going to get hurt, okay? You are going to have financial distress, okay? You probably will get let go, laid off or fired. You probably will get sued in some form or fashion. And what this class is, is about giving you the tools and the questions to ask to protect yourself. Uh, and, And while it sounds you know, wow, this is really scary and daunting and not very exciting. I, I really drive home the fact that, you know, it life is a journey um, and things are going to happen because that's life. And if you know how to protect yourself or at least know the questions to ask, things are going to work out. And then we talk a lot about sense of perspective. And so, you know, we talk, hey, I get it. You're 22. You're worried about a job. You're worried about paying back student loans. Um, you know, you're fighting with your girlfriend, boyfriend, you, you can't stand the apartment you're in, but embrace where you are in life. Because when you get to be 30, 40, 50, I guarantee you, you will look back and say, boy, I wish I was living in that dump in Oakland with four other guys and, you know, eating ramen noodles. I would kill to have that for just one night. Um, that's, I was not against my wife or son, but, but people lose perspective. And when we talk today about, you can't compare yourself to other people. And I say, I think some of the mistakes that young people make is they're chasing what they think they need to get. I need to have the white picket fence. I need to have the dog and the cat and the two and a half kids. Right. And then they get there and they realize, well, I'm not really happy. Neither is that half kid. Neither is the half kid. Right. Um, so we try to kind of, I try to keep them in perspective, but then also just talk about the realities of life. Susan, right, who hasn't been in a car accident? In this class, mm-hmm. he actually teaches them how to rent an apartment, how mm-hmm. to reconcile a checkbook, things that when you go from a normal school and you get that first job and you're out living on your own, you're messing all that stuff up. So uh, 
real quick, mm-hmm. let's go into uh, Hit the Bullseye. I'll ask you to choose between two marketing or messaging classics. Tell me which one you like more, but you only have a few seconds to choose. Okay. Hit the Bullseye and tell me why. Ready? Now nah, you just, just, just say I wasn't sure if there's a buzzer. No, nah, there's no buzzer. All right, I'm ready. Geico's Gecko or the Aflac Duck? Uh, Aflac Duck. Okay, why? Um, because I think it's uh, more of a reputable insurance company than Geico. Uh, and I talked to our students about state minimum coverage isn't something you necessarily want to get. And I'm partial to I like ducks more than lizards. That's probably the best answer to that question we've had because he actually talked about the product. We're going to compare two seminal campaigns for uh, communication companies mm-hmm. reach out and touch someone or can you hear me now i like uh can you hear me now i, I think uh we don't do enough listening and one of the things i've tried to build our program on is that we listen and get out and touch me i always thought it was a little creepy <laughs> progressives flow or jake from state farm <laughs> uh, uh progressives flow i i i just because you know what she literally what you know what I like about it I'll tell you is they have embraced the fact that they are in every commercial that you watch so I mean every show you watch there's a progressive commercial and it could drive you nuts but they embraced it and she even made I like self-deprecating humor and I like the fact that they came out and said hey you know I'm here I'm everywhere yeah yeah since it's in you have the sports arts entertainment program and you do stuff at stage AE so from both, uh, let's take two parts to this question. One will be just who you like better, but mm-hmm. then who you think's better from a messaging and marketing standpoint. You two or the Rolling Stones? Well, you know what? You two, because uh, I, I, Bono has really put himself out there for a lot of uh, uh, social change. Uh, and while I don't always embrace that athletes and celebrities should be you know politicized i think what he's done is great has been has been great and he was just on the other day uh uh talking about some of the great initiatives he's doing so i like that he has used his uh celebrity as a platform to not pat his wallet but to try to make change in things that are dear to him going down the path still sticking with uh your program sports arts and entertainment and because recently this has been in the news, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or this is Cooperstown, the Baseball Hall of Fame? Well, I've been in Pittsburgh long enough to know that Cleveland isn't a place that we uh, want to embrace. Uh, Finally, you're coming around. Coming around, took some time. And I, and I love baseball and Cooperstown. There's no better, no better place on earth. Okay, great. So I'm a big fan of the show Ballers. My youngest mm. son watches it with me. And when you said that they don't, come out as athletes and say uh, what the deal is and they're not as transparent, not counting the three you just said, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not putting you on the spot, just in general, the industry. Is that show kind of accurate, how it's showing how um, the athletes really are irrational and how their posse gets involved, their entourage, and how whimsical the decision-making is and how difficult it is for the agents? Yeah, I think... Um you know, and unfortunately, uh, the NCAA, and this is going to go down a whole another discussion, but the NCAA really does not encourage student athletes to speak to agents and or financial advisors. And you have to understand that so many of these student athletes that go on to play professionally 
uh, come from broken homes. Uh, they come from backgrounds where they did not have a solid uh, education. And so they just don't know. And so literally it's like winning the lottery where you go from no money to snap of your fingers. You have millions of dollars in your you know bank account. And I don't know of many young people, 20, 21-year-olds, no matter how responsible and mature they are, they would struggle with that responsibility. So it's not always the athlete's fault. And I think many times they're shown in a bad light that they're running around with all these bad people. A lot of it is they don't know any better. Uh, another thing I think is that they haven't been educated uh, about how to really manage their money, how to really protect themselves. And the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of pressures um, to try to help those that are from, you know, their hometown. And if you watch the movie Broke, which is a 30 on 30, you know, it talks about, does a great job of explaining yes. that. And, you know, we all know what our athletes and celebrities make because it's in the paper. And so it's hard for them to tell a friend or a family member, I don't have the money, I can't help you. Well, that's, I know you have the money because I see it right here in the Post-Gazette. Uh -huh. uh, and so there's the, that pressure. Uh, and then the biggest reason that the athlete struggles, that career is so short. The average career in the NFL is three years. The average retirement age in hockey is 27. Uh, that is not a long time. And a lot of these athletes do not have transferable skills. So when they retire at 27, 28 years old, they're not going to go on and become lawyers, doctors, CPAs. And so whatever amount of money they made has to last them for the next 50 years. Uh, and, and so that really becomes, you know, a, a problem. That one, there are so many ironies in life, but one that always strikes me is how we as a society are critical of people for doing something that we praise. So when you look at the athletes who are loyal to who they grew up with, I say to my sons, loyalty is important. You can tell loyalty sitting right next to me, someone I began working with in 1997, Mike Gaddy, talk about loyalty to the mass solution since 2004, the first day of the company. I'm loyal to guys I've coached with. I'm loyal to anyone that's played for me. So we praise loyalty. Then when Allen Iverson is loyal to the people he grew up with, we criticize Allen Iverson because his decisions are bad. Well, you know what? He can't change who he grew up with. He's loyal to the same people that I'm, I'm loyal to the people that I grew up with in Johnstown. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate that some of them are good people. Mm -hmm. Well, if you grew up and they weren't, so we the irony of life, I'm getting off a soapbox, but the irony of life is we criticize the athletes for being loyal. And yeah, they did make a bad decision because they were loyal to someone who maybe wasn't worthy of it, but don't we praise loyalty? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's, a, it, it, it's tough sometimes to, to look at it all from all different angles. Uh, you know, the thing is you can be, and I always tell them, you know, you can be loyal to your friends and I get that. But at some point, your friends have to be providing some sort of a benefit to you because if you're continuing to provide them with compensation, well, then they're really more than friends. They're an employee. And if they're going to be employee, well, what is their job? And yeah. what are their duties? And how are you holding them accountable? Yeah. Uh, because that's how the real world works. And you know, I always would tell them, if you were to get hurt today, God forbid, and your career is over, of these 20 people that are standing behind you right now as you sign your big you know, multi-million dollar contract, if you get hurt tomorrow and you can never play again, how many of those 20 are going to be standing behind you? One. Maybe. If they're lucky. Right, if they're lucky. Right, I'll be, I'll be there. Hands yeah, silly. Right. Um, Hands silly. So that's, it's, it's, you got to, you know, you have to, you know, think about that uh, as, as well. Steve, the 84 Lumber yeah. event, Bassmasters, you've been a part of some great yeah. stuff, Point Park. 
What's your biggest marketing or messaging success? I, you know what? Probably those two, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the Bassmaster one was great because, you know, not being a, a, a born and bred here, um, I, I still- You weren't born in the city of champions? I, well- Where uh, the true, the best dynasty of all time in football was? Well, we won't get into all that, but, um, you know, I was, but I guess my point is, you know, I, I became frustrated very quickly with, um, and I'm still frustrated, where if you watch Monday Night Football or um, if you watch probably the Penguin, NBC, like a lead-in to a Penguin game, any of our major sports on the national network, nine times out of ten, they're going to lead in with uh, showing uh, lava and the guy in the hard hat and the steel mill. Oh, my, what, I've said this on the air. I say this so much. I read, wrote a blog about it. It, it drives me nuts because I always look at that and say, where is this? I don't know where the nearest steel mill is. We are not that city, okay? We are a city of higher education, um, you know, hospitals, healthcare, high tech, IT. That is the city we are. So for the Bassmasters to be able to tell the story on a global scale about the fact that Pittsburgh is a clean fun, young, um, athletic city was great for me. And I remember telling the people, because ESPN was the property rights owner of Bassmasters, I said, I will strangle you if you use that image of the guy pouring the molten lava. That is not what we're about. And I was so happy that they focused on the rivers and they focused on the trails and, you know, the beautiful skyline, you know, of Pittsburgh, um, because that's the story that I wanted, you know, to take. And we were able to do that. And I remember, you know, afterwards, you know, reading articles that have been post posted in Australia, New Zealand, uh, and just they were shocked about, you know, that they still thought that you had to bring two shirts to work. And, you know, that was 50 years ago. But the Bassmasters honestly was went a long way in telling the new Pittsburgh story, which wasn't new to us, to a, to a broader audience. So that one for sure, I think 84 lumber was a good one because um, it was the old model of you can't just roll out the red carpet and expect people to come. Their first advertising positioning the first year was, well, we're the only PGA event in the Commonwealth. People will just come, right? They're just going to come. Well, that doesn't work that way. You need to sell it. You need to brand it. And you need to give people reason to come and spend not just one day, but a whole weekend. And so really, uh, we were the first group to have the concept of not, we're not just selling golf. I mean, we, we had golf, we had concerts, we had an arts and crafts fair, we had an art show, the whole family environment. And now that has been replicated many times throughout the tour. I love the storytelling aspect, showcasing Pittsburgh's eds and meds. I too get frustrated with the molten lava. Mm -hmm. Great, great story. Steve, Thanks for being on the show, but how can listeners contact you if they'd like to learn more about what you do? I'm sure we might get some parents and some students who want to sign up. Uh, email. Uh, you can email me at uh, uh, stanzilli at pointpark.edu, uh, and I pride myself on the fact that I respond to emails immediately. So uh, please feel free to email me, and uh, I always enjoy the opportunity to speak with uh, young folks and parents and, and, of course, love for them to come to Point Park, but you know my bigger goal would be to just educate them on the importance of uh, continuing their education and and, and um, going out there and exploring to see what the world can offer them. What I'd like to do 
is schedule for months out, uh, have a sports marketing show that you're on with me, and then an entertainment marketing show that you're on. And we might even deviate from the regular format since you've already been a guest for the no BS part, but we can have you and you can even bring someone else from Point Park. That'd be great. That'd be great. I'd enjoy that. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us for the No Bullshit Marketing Show. Visit BoldSolutionsNoBS.com for show notes plus additional marketing and messaging resources. Sign up for light reading. You'll receive valuable strategies every other week to improve your marketing and transform your message. It's really light, intended to be read in two minutes or less, and it just might trigger bright ideas for you. To sign up, visit MassSolutions.biz. Remember, ask yourself, what's the big idea? And build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions, no BS.